Welcome to the UC Berkeley Data Science Education Podcast. We're happy you're listening in today. In this space, you'll hear from a variety of distinguished data science educators and professionals. The individuals we'll speak with are diverse in experience and perspective, but share the common goal of shaping the future of data science education. Our idea is to have some informal conversations with the goal of creating community and let people hear from practitioners in this growing new field. My name is Eric Van Dusen from Data Science Undergraduate Studies in the Division of Computing, Data Science, and Society at UC Berkeley, and I'll be leading our conversation today. And my name is Harry Lee, also from Data Science Undergraduate Studies. I'm working as an intern with the division's external pedagogy team, and I'll be helping out today too. Hi, uh, welcome everybody. Today we're excited to have Rebecca Nugent with us. It's great to have you with us. Can you please uh, tell us where you're working and what you're working on? Sure. Uh, so my name is Rebecca Nugent. I'm the Associate Head in Statistics and Data Science at Carnegie Mellon University. We are in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, and I spend quite a bit of time thinking about data science. Um, and so it's a great pleasure to be invited to this uh, data science education series. I'm uh, really happy to share thoughts and, of course, encourage anyone to reach out if they have any ideas or want to start any conversations, etc. So do please feel free to do that. Um, nice. So let's see, what am I working on right now? Um, one of the things that we're spending a lot of time on at Carnegie Mellon is thinking about how to um, introduce data and data science to everybody. Um, so this, this kind of sprung from, kind of as a response to when, when data science first kind of came on the, came, like came into the, um, you know, came on everyone's radar in terms of degree programs. I mean, data science, pieces of it in the field and statistics and data. I mean, this has all been around for a really long time. But when people started thinking about doing degrees in data science, they were pulling together courses that already existed, um, taking courses from computer science and statistics and information systems and, and um, you know, all sorts of related fields and kind of pulling them together and putting a label on it and, you know, saying it's a data science degree. And that was kind of the first wave of what was happening. But, but those were really only attractive and appropriate for people who were kind of already working in data science related areas or, you know, it, it was picking up only a particular kind of person with a particular kind of background. And it wasn't very inclusive in the sense of there weren't a lot of entry points, right, for other people who might be interested in learning about data and learning about data science. And um, one of the things that we have been trying to do and, and somewhat kind of kind of in complement to what Berkeley's been been thinking about is, is how do you build entry points for other folks, for folks who wouldn't necessarily, they don't want to go learn nine programming languages, right? Like they are interested in learning about data. Um, they want to apply data concepts and data tools to their own work. Um, and to do that, we've been working on kind of building platforms and training modules for those populations. Um, but what we realized is that all of those different kinds of people don't all look at data the same way. So we shouldn't be teaching them all the same way. Like we shouldn't be assuming that the like intro data science course should be exactly the same for everybody. Um, and so, so part of us 
trying to learn how to teach data and data science to everybody has also been trying to do research on how people interact with data. How do they collaborate about with data? How do they write about data? Um, and thinking about how to build data science teams. So, so we're trying to actually study data science, you know, as a science to, so that we can do a better job of building data science education uh, material and content, et cetera. Um, and then really trying to get data to everybody. So that that's kind of what our data science education group is, is thinking a lot about these days. Nice. So let's take us back. Um, what was your entry point? How did you get involved? Uh, what, what was the, wh where did you feel like you started working on data science education? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. So I think, uh, so I, I, after I finished my PhD at the University of Washington, and I'll just throw out a UW right there. Um, so I came to Carnegie Mellon as a postdoc in the statistics. Uh, well, it wasn't the statistics and data science department. Then it was the statistics department. Um, and then moved into, moved into a faculty track there after the postdoc. And I, I think I've always it's kind of through that track. I've, I've always been concentrating on um, a large percentage of my time on teaching and, um, you know, kind of revamping courses and building the undergraduate program and building other things. So in some ways, I've always been thinking about statistics education. That, that's been a big focus, even while doing research in methodology areas like clustering and classification, record linkage and things like that. With respect to data science education, I, I think... Um, I think that really kind of kicked off in earnest, um, like, I want to say like five, six-ish, seven-ish years ago, when we started really, the statistics programs had already exploded, right? Everybody's doing statistics. And then this data science wave came along, and I was doing things like meeting with like middle school kids who were coming to campus with their parents and saying things like... Um, I've got to study statistics and data science. And then they'd show me like the data work they'd done and, you know, the things that they'd scraped. And, and it was sort of like, wait, what? Like, we've been thinking about this all wrong. Data science does not just belong for these master's programs, right? That were kind of the first place that those degrees got built. Data science should be like K through age 99, right? Like kindergarten through 99. And so we really started thinking about um, data as also being kind of this big, um, like democratizing things with data, right? Access to data and access to information, that, that should belong to everybody. Data literacy is kind of a fundamental skill. And if, if we're only getting, if only a certain segment of the population is becoming data proficient, right? Or data science proficient, that creates inequity, right? And that, that's that's not fair in so many ways. So we started thinking about like, if, if data science is gonna explode, you know, which it just, when it, which it did, right? Like, how can we make sure that everybody can, and can kind of, can access data? And I'll tell just kind of a funny story there. Like, like a lot of these intro, well, I think it's funny. Like a lot of these intro data science and these intro programs and these degrees, you know, they focus a lot on um, you know, learning to code early and learning to program. And those are important skills. And I'm not, I'm not taking away from any of that. But like my older daughter, um, when she, a few years ago, when she went to her new kindergarten, they did an activity with her where they like got the research question about the gummy bears. They went out and they generated, they collected the gummy bears. They 
organized the gummy bears. They sorted them. They made bar charts with them, right? They like talked about it. They visualized it. And, you know, and then they ate the gummy bears. So it was like, a, you know, the best data science ever. But, you know, the, the point being is like, a, you know, five-year-olds are doing all of these conceptual pieces of data science, you know, and she's never coding anything, right? And like, fast forward a few years, um, maybe she was around seven or so, and uh, she, uh, one of the, one of my research projects that I have going right now um, is uh, working on modeling the time series of the COVID rates with the virologist at Pitt. So if people are interested in looking at that, you can Google fight COVID where fight is spelled P-H-I-G-H-T. But, but, but the interactive maps that we had built where you can click on states and look at the time series and turn um, non-pharmaceutical interventions like masks and restaurant um, bans and things like that on and off and see the, see the information. She came up and saw me on this website working on it and was so fascinated. She spent like 40 minutes learning about, thinking about where the data come from and how to read it. And then, you know, every time I left the room to get something, she'd be like, come back, look at Pennsylvania. You know, like, so the point being, you know, kids, kids can get these conceptual things with data science, right? Like we don't need to be thinking about data scientists starting with programming. We can really get conceptual ideas across to all sorts of people at all kinds of ages, all kinds of backgrounds. And then, you know, they can move into the more technical programming skills later if that's appropriate for what they for what they want to do. So um, that, that's kind of where where all of that came from. Nice. Fantastic. I love it. Uh, what do you think are some of the challenges facing data science education? Like we're at this moment, it's blowing up. What's what, what are challenges that we're facing? Well, some of it is scale, right? Like the actual demand is just, you know, totally bonkers. And I, I mean that in like a completely positive way. That's, that's a good problem to have. But it's a stressful problem, um, you know, to ask educators to be able to innovate you know, build new tools, build new ways of doing things, find that like perfect data set, you know, and that perfect problem when they have literally no time at all because they're handling, you know, the hundreds of people in their classes. I mean, that's kind of absurd. So, so it, and it's, it's just not feasible, right? So one challenge I would say with scaling is that we need, we need more investment and more resources devoted to um, giving educators time to build things and think about those pedagogical innovations, right? So we should be paying, so, so at a university level, we should be paying those instructors, giving them summer funding, right, to just work all summer. We should be letting people have some teaching leave. Um, maybe in the K to 12 space, we should be kind of pushing for more professional development resources, things that are accessible in a virtual world because people can't travel, you know, post-pandemic, right? People can't travel to get to these conferences and these professional development opportunities. I, I think access to this stuff is a, is a real issue. Um, and expecting people to do it on their own is, is just, it's way too much, right? It's just way too much for people to take on by themselves. And there's so many good resources that exist. So I think that that's a big challenge. Um, I meet a lot of instructors who would love to bring more aspects of this into their classroom and they don't even know where to start, right? And so how do we help, you know, just like what you're doing with this series, right? How do we build that community and build tools for them and, 
you know, get them connected with people who can, who can help, or we don't need people to keep reinventing wheels, right? Like, like, how can we connect everyone? That's one of the biggest challenges I see. Um, those barriers. Okay, that I think is Harry's next question. That segues really well, actually, because I, I wanted to ask, um, it's, it's, it's pretty general, but how do you think that we as, as data scientists and as educators should be creating and evolving this community around data science education? How do you think that sh process should be going? I think, yeah, thanks. Yeah, um, I think I think we're doing a really good job. I mean, some of this is a, a little bit tying back to what I said earlier. I think we're doing a great job of, of working with that um, that more technical population, you know, and um, we are doing a less good job. It's not correct grammar, but a less good job with um, the, the other populations. So a few populations, um, K through 12, right? Uh, community colleges, two-year schools. They, they are working in data science, but they, they are not connecting at the same frequency, right? Or having the same bridges built as the, as the four-year universities, for example, um, or for the STEM crowd, et cetera. Um, another place that I think data science really, really has the potential to kind of change industry as well and change HR practices and change the way we think about like um, what kind of certification or skill set do you need to get kind of a good job, right, employment, is that data science, there are so many people out there who could be retraining or upskilling in kind of non-traditional ways. And by non-traditional, I mean that, you know, they, they can't afford to stop working full time, right, to support their families and go to school for four years, right, and pay and pay for that, that four year degree all at once, right? That's so infeasible for so many people. But maybe they're looking to learn some more data skills or, or, or learn some more um, visualization or coding or things that would elevate them to be able to move into an entry level data analytics job or a data science job in ways that don't require you to take years off to go get kind of like a more traditional degree. Data science can really change this. It can really change the world because there are so many online resources and certificate programs. There, and then from an industry perspective, you don't need to hire, you know, 20 PhD data scientists to do your data science team. You can have a few of them. You can have, you know, teams of data analysts. You can have data science support staff. I mean, you can build kind of like, like we need this data science job hierarchy that isn't the entry point can't be something that like um, requires an incredible amount of money or incredible investment. And I know there are lots of people working in this space trying to help people move into those jobs and they're running into problems with just like HR infrastructure. Like there aren't job codes for this kind of stuff, right? Or like they can't even get someone's resume like past that le that entry point level because they don't have a standard background. But this is ridiculous. And like data science has the power, I think, to change that. We could train all these people to do things with data and then show look, hire them. Like they're, they're, they're great at their jobs. Elevate what, you know, elevate their life, you know, elevate their, their pay scale. Do you know what I mean? Move them into these stable data centric jobs. I, so I think that's another thing data science should be concentrating on. Fantastic. Yeah. That's a really powerful perspective. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and I, I also wanted to ask you about, um, 
I know that Carnegie Mellon is u- utilizing the um the IELTS platform in order to help teach um <laughs> to teach some data science. Um, so I wanted to ask, what are some of the benefits of using such a platform, and maybe if you could touch on how it might help with some scaling issues that you mentioned previously? Yeah, sure. So the the platform that um. Uh, Harry and Eric are referring to what's called ISLE. It's the Integrated Statistics Learning Environment. Um, and if you can go to stat.cmu.edu slash I-S-L-E. So we just refer to it as ISLE. And um, it has the word statistics in it, but I will, I will note, even though this is a data science education series, um, you really could plug in subject there because we have English classes on it. Um, philosophy classes, forensic science, um, public policy, like it's a system that promote, you can use, do any kind of virtual learning. So people can do lectures, particularly, of course, if we're all remote um, lectures, they can um, do flipped classrooms, they can, uh, you know, run videos, do widgets. So you can do lots of things with it that aren't just statistics and data. But how we use it, for our statistics and data science classes is for us at Carnegie Mellon, it's mostly concentrated on that introductory entry level. The platform itself is also used for graduate level courses and um, some undergraduate level courses and other disciplines. And it's, it's being used by some schools around the country um, in a variety of courses, in, including intro statistics. But the, the nice thing about how we're using ISLE is um, when students are interacting with data, and that mean, this also means at the introductory level, we can have them work with text data, they work with networks, they look at images, all kinds of um, kind of unstructured data types, as well as the more traditional data that you would expect to see in an introductory level course. But um, they're able to collaborate on data analysis reports together. So think of like Google Docs, but for data analysis. Um, they can create group projects and presentations, they write reports in it, they do peer review, Um, there's all kinds of interactive features. But what is great about it on our end, so the students, they like it for that. It's very easy to use, it's intuitive. We have um, English majors all the way through, statistics machine learning majors, they're all using the same platform. But we are able to see what they're doing. So we can track how they write, I mean, if they type like, oh, statistics is the most boring class ever, and then they delete it, like technically we can see it after the semester's over, <laughs> but um, I mean, we anonymize everything. But but what we can do is is research on, you know, how did that group best work on data, right? So what's the best way to collaborate? What's the, what's kind of the best way for us to teach this particular type of student with this particular kind of background? I mean, you can do like auto grading and, you know, you can do kind of the standard things and annotating things that you might find in a typical online platform. But the the richness and the complexity of the action logs that we get from everybody working in this platform really identifies cool things that we can use to help improve our classes and to help train students and and other people on um, how to think about more optimally, how to think about working with data. The other place it gets used a lot at Carnegie Mellon, or and starting to be used more, um, is in a similar way with executive education training or continuing education. So, for example, we run programs that are like data science for business leaders, or you know things kind of along those lines, where um, they don't they don't 
they're not going to go learn how to program a random forest. That's not what the point is. But they can run random forest models in aisle. They can think about it conceptually. They can talk about, um, you know, what are the mistakes I might see when I'm when I'm communicating with my data scientist team, right? Like, how do I, like, what should I be looking for? So they can learn about data in a way that doesn't require them to kind of go back and learn all of the coding and the programming. And then we similarly do things like tr help them with the tracking on the back end. So like what areas were hard for you? How did this group collaborate the best? So that that's another place that it's being used at Carnegie Mellon is um, kind of that uh, continuing education, that executive education type of training for um, industry uh, and beyond, yeah. Nice. Um a little bit related, how do we get students interested in data science that might not be coming from a STEM background or a math background? How do we attract those students? Yeah, I mean, I think for us, it's about um, a couple, yeah, that's a great question. So I'll tell you what we've kind of been successful with, right? I'm sure there are other ways to do it. Um, and I, anybody who's listening, uh, do please reach out if you've had a successful um, you know, if you have a successful way to do this, I'm sure everyone in the series would, would love to hear it. Um, for us, it's been a lot of kind of the diversity of the real world problems that we that we've been presenting. So no, no one, no one wants to do the eye color distribution in a class. Right. You know what I mean? And no one wants to do kind of these like same same kind of questions that you see in more traditional textbooks that are more static. Um, and, and those were great questions at the time when we were working in an educational environment that had more static materials, right? Like something you were actually holding and it wasn't as interactive as you can do now. So we, we've had a lot of success with um, purposefully bringing in real world problems that are very diverse from different fields. Um, we, at Carnegie Mellon, we bring in real problems that the faculty at Carnegie Mellon are working on. So we'll bring in problems from the English department and we'll bring in problems from, you know, decision sciences and from architecture and, you know, from so that the students see their own research kind of reflected in how you can think about data. And even if they're not going to continue right in in statistics and data science, at least now they've learned about thinking about data, right? And they take those things, the skills they've learned, right? And they move forward, hopefully, and, and take them with them in, in their own fields. So we've had some success with that, with being very, in, like, with intent, purposefully, right, seeking out research problems that we would not maybe have normally thought of, right, as, as statisticians. So that's one way, which takes some time and work, like, to be fair, yeah. that's, that's like a, that's not like a snap your fingers and problems show up in your inbox, although that'd be awesome. Um, the other thing that I think has been helpful for us is the accessibility of the tools. So, so, you know, while we might think, for those of us who work more in the STEM fields and work more in statistics and data science, we might think, well, everyone should learn to code in R and Python. Those are really valuable skills. And they are, not knocking that. But there are, you know, millions of people in this country who don't want to do that, but they do want to learn about data, right? But they don't, they don't, they don't connect to that. They don't like see that as something that they're going to use moving forward. And so probably we should not be presenting them with material and tools that require them 
to learn tools that they feel are intimidating, right? There's a lot of self-selection that happens. For some people, if they Google data science, like classes, the stuff that comes up looks really intimidating to a lot of people who aren't in this space, right? Lots of different languages and frameworks, data engineering, lots of terms that they don't think really apply to them at all. So that we have to change. So some of it's marketing, right? Like we have to, we have to market and advertise the ways that you can interact with data that aren't intimidating, or it's not even about intimidating so much as is they're like, well, that's not me, right? Like I'm more interested in this type of stuff. So I shouldn't really say intimidating. It's more that it doesn't connect to them. That that's kind of far more, uh, far more accurate that they think like, why would I go do that? That's not what I'm interested in. So, and so then they just kind of opt out, right? So, so we want to be in, in, data should be inviting, right? Like our field should be incredibly inclusive and inviting. And um, we have to think more about how we position ourselves and how we present ourselves to others. Yeah. Fantastic. My last question is related, but, uh, you know, how do we get uh, statistics and math teachers who might have been teaching the same way for a while excited about this new project? And how do we get them to learn these new approaches? Like you're super passionate about it, but there's a lot of math and stats teachers out there that we need like if we're going to meet this demand, we need those people to come on board. Yeah. So in my, I mean, you, you are, you are spot on there. And, and in my experience, a lot of that relates back to what we were talking about before, which was um, they don't have time. They don't have time. They don't have bandwidth. They don't have energy. They're, they're, they are in the trenches, bringing statistics and math to all these students I mean, and let's let's just do a tip of the hat to them right now. They are the true champions. So everything I'm going to say next comes from a place of statistics and math teachers. You are amazing. And so why, like, if if we don't carve time for them to be able to adopt these new ideas, maybe or, or update what they're doing, of, of of course they're they're not going to be able to do it. Um, and and some of it is also that the governing bodies need to also support this development. And and so governing body may not have been the right phrase, but for example, um, if you talk to AP statistics teachers in high school, uh, high school AP statistics teachers, many of them feel very constrained, of course, by like, you know, there's this AP statistics curriculum and they have been told by their school districts, right? And by their, that this is what they have to teach. Um, of course, right? That makes total sense, right? They're, they're reflecting what the curriculum is and what the... Um, what they're gonna, what those students are gonna be tested on if they choose to take the AP test, and um, they they need to be given some flexibility and some freedom and be told it is okay for you to kind of bring in these other tools and ideas into into your classroom. I mean, in my experience, a lot of them would they want to, if and they would if they had kind of the support, right? And if they had the time and if they had the professional development opportunities. Um, I think most teachers that I've met, you know, really want the absolute best, right, for their students, right? This is all coming from a place of we want what's best, but um, we can't expect them to be doing this, you know, at 3 a.m. on a Saturday night, like that, which that's their only free time after, you know, grading and working so hard during the week, right? We, we have to be far more thoughtful about it at a higher level than just the individual teacher, I think. Thank you. Uh, those were our questions. Do you have any parting thoughts or words of wisdom for data science educators you want to wrap up with? 
Oh, sure. Um, let's think. I think I would say thank you to everybody. Like, th this is, you are building education as a field is being developed and is evolving all the time. And there are new tools every 24 seconds, and there are new data sets and new repos and, like, new ideas, and it is incredibly difficult to build a curriculum and build a pedagogical framework when the everything is always changing all the time. And um, I acknowledge and appreciate all of your hard work. Um, thank you for thank you for hanging in there. Um, and I would say that to anyone who is listening who does not feel like supported or feels like there's kind of the lonely, they're like the lonely data science educator maybe at their institution or their school or their whatever, to do please reach out through some of these um, these series, these opportunities. You know, there's so many virtual meetings now. You know, connect. Um, we, we are all here. We're all in it together. And um, you will find that the community is incredibly open, really supportive, and that we can't wait to meet you. So, so don't, you know, come out, start talking, start meeting people, um, stay in touch. This is, this is really the best thing you can do. Uh, the more perspectives, the more the merrier. We'd love to have you all on board. That's awesome. Thank you. Fantastic. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you're interested in learning more about data science education resources, please subscribe to our Substack to get notified when we release any future podcasts. And join our community Slack channel through the link provided in this episode's description. Thank you.